Welcome to Eczema Out Loud from the National Eczema Association. I'm Danny Morsehead. Joining me today is Alden Wicker, an independent journalist and founder and editor-in-chief of EcoCult, a website dedicated to informing us and guiding us around sustainable and ethical fashion. She's also the author of To Die For, How Toxic Fashion is Making Us Sick and How We Can Fight Back. That's To Die For, spelled D-Y-E. Alden, we're so excited to have you on the podcast. And let's just get right into it. Can you give us a few examples of people reacting to their clothing? What have you seen over your years of looking into this topic? I actually started looking into this topic a few years ago in 2019 because the Delta airline attendants were suing Land's End who made their uniforms because their uniforms were giving them a ton of very serious reactions. And it usually started with a rash or hives and would spread from there to become more serious things like extreme fatigue and um, asthma, breathing problems, brain fog, um, flu-like symptoms. It really ran the gamut, but every flight attendant I talked to at Delta and the three other major airlines that had this problem of new uniforms giving their attendance reactions. Everyone I talked to would talk about the rash and the rashes were so bad that they, in a lot of cases, they bled. They would be purple, purple, red, dark. Um, and sometimes they would be on places where uh, the clothing touched, but other times they would start spreading beyond that to their hands, uh, at their neck, to their ears, um, their chest. Uh, One woman said that it actually looked like a severe sunburn, like a sunburn that's so bad that you have sun poisoning. So um, that was the most severe effects I've seen. But I've also talked to, in the course of researching my book, I also talked to a mother, a, um, a nurse practitioner in Michigan, and her son what had very, very bad eczema. Uh, it w- got so bad that, um, again, like the back of his, he had open sores on the back of his elbows and knees. Uh, she tried to do everything that one does. I mean, she's a nurse practitioner, right? So she, um, she swapped out their entire diet, their cleaning products, their personal care products, obviously. Um, she would put him in the bath. She called it soak and smear soak them in, in, um, in a medicinal bath and then cover them in Vaseline jelly. And it did not get better. And, uh, but at the same time, he would, he was a very chill kid. And she said he would throw these huge tantrums in the morning when she was trying to get undressed. And when he was able to use his words, when he was old enough to use his words, he told her it was the clothing. So that was another reaction I've heard of that was, I mean, you could tell it was from the clothing, but a lot of times it, the people that I talked to would say that they were having these reactions, like a product, I I talked to a production manager for a series of fashion brands in New York city and they go to the doctor. They say that they have, I have these rashes. Um, and the doctor says, okay, um, what's your detergent? What are your lotions? What are your soaps? And they're never asked about what clothing they wear, even if, they literally work in fashion, touching clothing all day. So this production manager said these rashes started on her hands. I talked to another, um, the the host of the Clothes Wars podcast. She said she worked at a mass market brand very, very early on in her career, just folding t-shirts and she developed rashes on her hands. And again, her doctor did not bring up 
her job touching clothing all day. But when she quit, um, her rashes went away. Yeah, you'd think from the area of the rash on the hands, you would be asking the person, what are they touching most of the time? Yeah. And I actually, I got an email from a doctor at a um, nonprofit hospital in Virginia. And he said, I, I heard one of your interviews and you're right. We don't ask about clothing. This is not on our radar. Um, so he did invite me to speak to um, to the other doctors there in a meeting to tell them about what I've seen so far. Yeah, it's needed. It's very needed. What types of reactions are you seeing in people who are reacting to their clothing? Are they experiencing full body reactions or rashes in specific areas? I've seen pictures of it on the neck, on the chest, on the arms, um, really everywhere. And sometimes, sometimes they're rashes, sometimes they're hives. Sometimes they just break out in full body hives. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's not necessarily where they're touching. The thing about what I found in talking to people who are allergic to certain chemicals that are in clothing is that it takes them a really long time to figure out what's causing these rashes. I talked to one woman who started developing incredibly serious rashes. She would wake up in the morning and she would have scratched herself raw in the night and be bleeding. And it took a really long time to figure out what was going on because um, these um, contact dermatitis from what I, from my research, it can show up. And this is what she told me too. It can show up days after touching the offending material. So once she figured out that she was allergic to certain dispersed dyes, which are used in polyester, like blue and black, she only now shops at fashion brands with a really good return policy and she'll wear the clothing and then wait for a few days to see if a reaction shows up days later. So it can be really hard to figure out that it's clothing that's causing what's happening because we switch out our clothing at least once a day, if not twice a day. We're also sleeping in sheets at night. And so it can take a really long time for you to be able to pinpoint what's happening. And then if it is clothing, like what kind of clothing is causing that reaction. Sure. I wish for everyone that it's as common as when I put on a wool sweater and I'm immediately itchy and sneezing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it sounds like, you know, a lot of people are, are itchy to wool sweaters just because they're, they're physically itchy, especially if you're not talking about merino wool, but other types of wool. Um, so that reaction is, is very immediate. But when we're talking about things like dyes, finishes, just chemical finishes that um, might take a while to cause that sort of reaction to cause your body to react to it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it can be really, it can be really subtle. There are it, also with fashion, um, especially with these chemicals. So of course, I, I'm sure your listeners know there's a couple different ways to figure out if you're allergic to something. So you can go in and, and you can find out you like you could do an antibodies test. So they'll, they'll expose you to a variety of substances, nuts and everything. And they'll see if your body produces antibodies. Some of these chemicals don't, don't cause your body to release these antibodies. So the only way to figure out what you're reacting to is to do a patch test where you put patches all over somebody's back, like 50 to 80 patches. And you go back once a day, like tw every 24 hours for a few days to see 
which patches with which substances are causing reaction. Now, 80, like 50 to 80 patches sounds like a lot. It's not because there are 40 to 60,000 chemicals currently in use globally, uh, in commercial use globally. So they are choosing the most common types of allergies to test you for. So if you come up positive, so dispersed dye, which again is used for polyester, um, they know that that's a very common allergen. And so it can cause reactions, skin sensitizer. So they're gonna include that. And so a lot of people will come away from these test tests knowing that they are allergic to dispersed dyes. They might be allergic to um, nickel, formaldehyde. These are all things that can be in fashion. But it doesn't, they haven't tested you for every single type of dye or every single type of chemical that can be used in fashion. So you get a very small picture of what is, um, what could be causing your problems. And the other thing that makes it so difficult for people who have sensitive skin or eczema to avoid these chemicals is that fashion doesn't come with an ingredient list. Mm -hmm. So what are some of those irritating and potentially dangerous chemicals that can be found in our clothing? There's so many. So there's dispersed dyes, there's uh, formaldehyde finishes, which are used to create easy care or um, wrinkle-free uh, textiles. There are some processed chemicals that nobody would even recognize. They have like a ton of numbers and a ton of syllables, and they're just they're a chemistry student's name. Um, there are also heavy metals, so lead, mercury. Um, uh, arsenic, those have all been found in uh, in tests of fashion. Uh, there are endocrine disruptors, which might not be so much of a concern for somebody if they're just thinking about their skin, but um, these are hormone disrupting chemicals that can mess with your thyroid function, weight management, uh, fertility, and reproductive, reproductive um, functions. Like it really can affect your brain function. It can really affect almost everything about how well um, your body functions. So, um, and there's also carcinogens. So a lot of azo dyes, um, they release these things called amines when they come in contact with their skin and those amines are carcinogenic. So some azo dyes have been restricted or banned for use in Europe, and, uh, but, but not here in the United States. It's sort of a voluntary thing for fashion brands in the United States. And you mentioned that the there's no ingredient list. What do you recommend people with eczema or sensitive skin look for when shopping for clothing? Are there safe materials or is it more important to look at how the clothing was made? Yeah, it's actually, it's a pretty untenable situation what we have right now. So a lot of people think, oh, you know, the ingredient list is the, is the little fiber content label that says 100% cotton. But these finishes and dyes can be up to 8% of the weight of a material or textile. Oh wow! They are, yeah, they are not insignificant, um, and um, it's yeah, it can be really hard for somebody who's sensitive. I, I just think we have a situation in which people are not being given the resources they need to protect their health um, or avoid known allergens in their clothing. Um, there are some things that people can do to, to reduce their exposure. So. This is none of these things are hard and fast rules, but if you put them all together, you're going to reduce your exposure and protect yourself somewhat. So 
natural fibers tend to have fewer sensitizing and hazardous chemicals than synthetic fibers. So when I say natural fibers, I mean um, cotton, linen, silk, uh, things like modal, tensile, lyocell, rayon, viscose, those sort of plant-based silky or soft fibers. Those are all pretty good for, really good for people who um, have sensitive skin. They're also just like, they feel nice, physically nice. And, uh, and then by synthetic materials, I'm talking about um, uh, polyester, acrylic, nylon, polyamide, um, anything that has poly in it, <laughs> um, polyurethane, and PVC, uh, polyvinyl chloride. Those are both commonly used in uh, quote unquote vegan leathers or fake leathers or clear plastic shoes and purses and all these different things. So if people can avoid synthetics and plastics, that usually helps a lot. I, I hear a lot from people. We actually have a contributor to my website, EcoCult, and she has eczema along with some other chronic health conditions. And um, she tested out a bunch of different yoga leggings actually. And really whether or not she had a reaction just depended on whether or not they were mainly natural fiber or synthetic fiber. And um, there's other things people can do. They can uh, avoid any performance or promises. So by that, I mean if it promises to be uh, wrinkle-free, um, water-resistant, stain-resistant, easy care, anti-odor, all of those different things are usually provided with a chemical coating or a finish. People can also, of course, I, I'm sure many of your um, listeners know this already, but uh, if wash your clothing in uh, fragrance-free detergents and avoid other fragrance laundry products such as um, uh, dryer sheets and fabric softeners and all of those different things. And then the other thing I say is to avoid ultra-fast fashion. So, um, you know, any anything from that's super cheap, cheap or too cheap to be true. Um, you know, if, if you've never heard of this brand before and the first time you're seeing them is on your social media feed and they have kind of a gibberish name, they look a little bit sketchy, that's super risky because right now, especially in the United States, there's no one checking those packages that they're shipping straight from the factory to you to make sure that they're not full of hazardous chemistry and contaminants. Um, some things that have been found on fashion. I mean, a lot of the things I've described so far have been deliberately applied, right? So we're talking about um, formaldehyde finishes, dyes, um, perfluorinated compounds, which are super toxic. Those are all deliberately applied, but sometimes things are just contaminated with pesticides or fungicides or whatever else happens to be, you know, around all of those factories and those shipping containers and those warehouses that clothing travels through on, on its way to get to you. Totally. So is there anything we can do to make our clothing more safe after we've purchased it? You mentioned 8% of the weight of a clothing item could potentially be the chemicals in it. Is there any way to get rid of some of those chemicals after we've bought it? I always recommend that people wash any new clothing that they buy before they wear. I mean, you just don't know where that clothing has been. It's, it's good hygiene to do that. Um, it won't get rid of everything. Um, some of these deliberately applied dyes and finishes, they are meant to stay on, which is why it's so important to avoid these performance finishes, these 
marketing promises um, and to avoid bright colors, to avoid um, these synthetics or plasticky materials because that those some of those hazardous substances are incorporated into it and they sort of come out over time, especially if you are sweating in some of these things, like they can draw things out. So washing can help, um, but it's not, it's not going to help with everything, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good, good hygiene practice. Wash your clothes before you wear them. Yeah. I also just, I tell people to do the sniff test. If something smells bad, that's a good indication that you shouldn't, that it is bad and you shouldn't have it. And you should send it back. I think this is also important. Um, a lot of people ask me, well, does it help to buy secondhand clothing? And again, my answer is it can help somewhat. Um, of course, you know, I, I, if you buy secondhand clothing, it might be better to try it on um, to do so in person in the thrift store because uh, a lot of people use heavily scented laundry products and it could take three cycles to get some to get that scent out. So um, it can be hel- it can be helpful to buy secondhand, um, but again, do the sniff test if you can. If it doesn't smell good, send it back. Mm-hmm. We love the sniff test. That's great. um okay you talked about avoiding certain colors and sort of plasticky materials what are the materials you would recommend going for a lot of people with sensitive skin really like bamboo viscose or bamboo lyocell so that it's not bamboo um you might have heard about how calling it bamboo is greenwashing it's it's um bamboo that has been heavily processed into a very soft textile but um it's it tends to be, uh, depending on how it's processed, it tends to be um, free of these hazardous chemicals unless they add things to it, but they usually don't. And um, it, it feels physically good um, and uh, people with sensitive skin just love it. Mm-hmm. Okay, bamboo. With our community, we talk about silk a lot and um, and cotton for non-irritating fabrics. So I wonder if those are also sort of more safer chemically as well. They are. Yeah. Yeah, those are both, uh, those are both safer. I would say um, they're definitely way better than nylon and polyester. Um, again, if, you know, a, a lot of people believe they're allergic to wool. The actual incidence of allergies to wool is pretty low. So I would encourage people to give merino wool specifically a shot. I think they would be pleasantly surprised. It's close to cashmere Mm -hmm. in how soft it is. And it it can make a really good alternative in sports clothing and athletic clothing to uh, polyester. So I I have merino wool sports bras and underwear. Um, There's even a uh, merino wool bathing suit company called Chosen Woven. And uh, they um, are eczema contributor correspondent um has tried it and and loves it even though she's she's had reactions to bathing suits in the past so um if people are looking for an alternative to to polyester sportswear i would say go to the store and try on a merino wool um sweater or sports bra and see how you do i definitely have a merino wool sports bra in my future thank you for that (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) okay a couple more questions for you are there any tools or methods to check or ensure that our clothing is safe for us? The best method is to look for labels that the labels Ocotex, Blue Sign, and Gots Organic. They're not perfect, but they are the best we have 
right now in the absence of better government legislation um, and better uh, and more comprehensive labeling requirements. And on EcoCult, we also have tons of resources for shopping guides and deep dives into this topic. So we have some of the most non-toxic smaller brands that are out there that are really doing everything right for people with sensitive skin. We have a roundup of underwear. Um, We have, we also have a roundup of really uh, affordable or dare I say cheap mass market brands that you can find at your local mall um, that are really invested in chemical safety. Now with them, I would say, if you have sensitive skin, don't go running to say Target or H&M and buying whatever you want. You still want to look for natural fibers, softer colors, um, all of the different things. But these brands are investing a lot into making sure there's not chemical contamination um, going on in their clothing. So um, people can check out all those resources at ecocult.com. Great. Okay, my last question for you, I like to ask this of all my guests. What's your favorite part of being a journalist who specializes in fashion and fashion toxicity? Yeah, this has been an incredible journey. I think my favorite part about getting into this topic is that it feels really good to listen to the all the people's stories. It's actually mostly women I've talked to who seem to be affected most by this, but there are some men too who have been affected by this. And to listen to their stories, to be able to tell them, I think I know why this is happening to you, and to believe them, it's it's for many of them, it's a new feeling. They've been disbelieved, they've been told what they're experiencing isn't real. And to be able to empower these people with information um, so that they can protect themselves and information that they can share with their friends and family and say, look, this is, this is real. This is happening. This is more common than you think. And I deserve, you know, accommodation and, and help for what I'm going through. Um, And that, that just feels, yeah, it's an incredible feeling to have somebody tell me like, thank you. I I haven't been believed before and now I understand what's going on and I'm sharing this book with my family and friends. So they understand too. Wow. Great. That's such a great answer. And I, you know, I have to say to plug the book, um, it's a great gift for your dermatologist or your doctor. If, (laughs) if you think they should learn more about this because the doctors, doctors used to be open to learning about this and like pretty, pretty shocked that this hasn't been on their radar so they might they might appreciate a little bit of education of course yes thank you for plugging that and one of our goals as the national eczema association is not only to keep our community educated and informed and chock full of resources but we are also aiming to educate healthcare providers because they need to keep learning as well thank you so much for joining us yeah my pleasure have a great day you too bye bye thanks for listening to this episode of eczema out loud You can visit the National Eczema Association at www.nationaleczema.org. If you have feedback on this episode, or you'd like to send in a suggestion for a future episode, you can email us at podcast at nationaleczema.org. We hope you'll join us next time.